it is it is what you need. I'm gonna try to move through it quickly. I mean, you can never figure God out. I didn't know. Amen. Devotion service would go that way, but I'm thankful. <clears throat> Hallelujah. So this word on today is going to require you to do some reading on your own because it's um it's it's full of scripture. Amen. But I'm not, I'm not going to. I'm going to read what I'm led to read, but I'm going to be moving fast. Amen. So I hope you got your notebook, your journal, your something, your phone, something, so that you can record. Amen. So that you can do whatever you need to do to go back and get it. Amen. Because it's a lot. Amen. And God has given me the title, Amen, Strange Smoke on today. Amen. Strange Smoke on today. I'm going to be primarily in Leviticus 10, but I'm going to be moving around as well. And so... As I have been preaching this series on worship and what it means to worship as God has been taking me through me personally in my study and to prepare the word for you all and how God has been teaching me how to, to just rekindle my fire, my worship. I mean, what I have what I have seen is that the first 10 chapters, there's a lot of repetition. So Leviticus chapters one through nine wrote go into great detail to describe how to worship. Over and over again, we see the same instructions given to the people and the priests. But when we get to Leviticus chapter 10, something happens. God kind of breaks away from his formula. He just tells a story. He tells a narrative like in Genesis, like the story of Jacob, the story of Abraham, the story of Moses, whatever. God breaks away because most, most of the chapters in Leviticus is like, do this, do this, do this. It's like rules. But in Leviticus 10, God breaks away from that formula. He changes his writing style and he presents a narrative instead. In this chapter, chapter 10 kind of explains why God is so meticulous with his instructions, why he's so repetitive with his instructions, why he keeps saying the same thing over and over again. But before I take you to Leviticus 10, I want to share a dream with you that I had this week. And I normally don't do this because I know dreams are difficult for people to understand. Then I know where, you know, people like, okay, you're telling us your dream, but that don't really got nothing to do with me. So I'm very careful when I share dreams. I probably do it once a year. You know, I, if you've been here long enough, you've been you've been around long enough to have known me to preach about one of my dreams. Right. But I want to share this dream with you. And so in this dream, in this dream, it, I saw another reality sitting on top of ours. So if you can just imagine to help you conceptualize that, imagine if you had on glasses or don't have on glasses, right? So you see stuff one way, right, this way, but when you put your glasses on, you see something else, okay? So the dream was kind of like that. It was like I was seeing normal, and then all of a sudden, I was seeing what was really going on, right? And so I believe this to be what Paul describes in Ephesians 6 and 12, when the word says, for we are not fighting against human flesh, right? We are not fighting against human beings, but against the wicked spiritual forces in the heavenly world. The rulers, the authorities, the cosmic powers of this dark age. We read that scripture all the time, but do you believe that it's true? That there is a spiritual realm, if that makes sense. So I believe in this dream, God was showing me what the spiritual realm looks like. And then this in this spiritual reality, things were being offered to people, not sold. And that's important. Things were being offered to people, not sold. There was no pressure to choose them. You could accept them or decline them, and you could take freely of whatever you wanted. 
And there was nothing ever stated as to what you had to give to get it. Sound like heaven, don't it? Right? Everything you want, take it or leave it. Nobody's trying to sell it to you. There's no price tag on it. There's no commercial. If you want it, take it. Lord, I thank you. Everything that came from this reality was presented as the best. The soil was the best. The food was the best. Everybody had good hair, gas, oil, whatever you can think of. It was the best. And the people that were offering these things made it clear to you that you could take anything from that reality and bring it back here and live, literally live like a king. You get whatever you wanted from this spiritual place, bring it back to real life and live like a king. You didn't even have to pay for it. You just, just get it and take it. And I believe this is what's described in Matthew 4. If you know anything about Matthew 4, this is the chapter where Satan tempts Jesus. Matthew 4, 8 through 10, it says, The devil took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their greatness. All this I will give to you, the devil said, if you kneel down and worship me. Then Jesus answered, Go away, Satan. The scripture says, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Right? That's how it was in this other place. Look at all this stuff. Take it or leave it. No pressure. If you want it, just take it. You don't even have to do nothing for it. Right? Nobody going, you can you write it. Matter of fact, you deserve it. Just take it. Just take it. It's yours. I give it to you. No strings attached. That's how, the, that's how it felt. So I saw people bringing things from this other reality they would bring it from this other place. They would bring it here, and then they would repackage it. They would change the label on it to make it look like it's something that they came up with. Like, look, I got this for you. They would just switch the label off, right? They would switch the label. And then God showed me the reality. It's like I put the glass, like I was seeing that, and then I put my glasses on, and then I began to see what was really happening. God showed me the deception, and everything that was being offered was garbage. Whatever was brought from that place that was brought back here, it was polluted. The water was polluted. The food was rotten. Everything was filthy. And yet I kept seeing people going back and forth between these two places. Everything that was seen in this other place, it looked good. It worked perfectly. And nobody was noticing that the stuff was unhealthy. They thought it was perfectly fine. And I believe that this is what James 4 describes as Friendship with the world, James 4, verses 5 through 7. Don't think that there is no truth in the scripture that says the spirit that God placed in us is filled with fierce desires. But the grace that God gives is even stronger. As the scripture says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So then submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will run away from you. What does that mean? What that means is God placed strong desires in us. We were built to desire things. We were built to desire God. Satan knows that. Satan knows how we were made. Satan knows that we were built to desire things. So what Satan does is he tries to pollute your desires. He says, I know you were made to want stuff, so 
I want to make it where you don't want God. I want to make it where you want other stuff. And he prays on that. So he doesn't really have to work really hard because all he has to do is plant the seed. And then he knows your nature, your nature that was putting you to desire things will take over. So I just got to plant the seed. Your desire going to take over. Right? So as I'm seeing this, I saw this lady. She had a brand new car. Matter of fact, it looked like my car. She had a brand new car, but there was thick black gas coming out of the tailpipe. And I asked her, I said, did you get gas from there or did you get gas from here? Right? She said, I got gas from here. Right? But then she looked confused. So she turned and she asked this man who I assumed to be her boyfriend or her husband, had he got gas? And he said, no, I didn't get any gas, but I could tell that he was lying. And the lie was so convincing, right? This man, he didn't even flinch. He even had a receipt showing where the gas was from. But I could tell that it was a lie. He was not scary. He was not angry. He was so calm. And then I realized it was Satan. I never felt afraid in the dream. I never felt angry in the dream. I just kept seeing offers, simple offers. You want it? Take it, sir. You want it? It's yours. You deserve it, sir. Right? It's spiritual. It's Christian. It's good. You go to church. Take it. Take it, brother. Take it. Take it. It's yours. Then raise his voice. Didn't look mean. No horns, no fire. No nothing. And so I woke up from the dream and God said, stop lying to me. Right? Thus saith the Lord. Got that in my note. Because that's for y'all. Stop lying to me. God said, your eyes are deceiving you. Because your heart wants it to. Your eyes are deceiving you because your heart wants them to. The book of Jeremiah calls the heart deceitful. Hallelujah. The book of Jeremiah calls the heart deceitful four times in the King James Version. The most quoted is probably Jeremiah 17 verses 9 through 11. Who can understand the human heart? There is nothing else so deceitful. It is so sick. It is too sick, excuse me, to be healed. The Lord searched the minds and tests the hearts of people. It's God talking. I treat each of them according to the way that they live. Right? I treat each of them according to the way that they live. And you may be thinking, man, that's messed up, God. You mean I deserve all this stuff? Right? But Romans 1 and 17 tells us to just live by faith. So when he say, I treat you according to how you live, he says, I treat you according to the level of faith that you have in me. And if you in Bible study, you know, we spent that whole Bible study talking about doubt. Doubt is sin to God. Doubt is sin to God. He said, I treat you according to how you live. The just live by faith. If you're faithful, you don't have nothing to worry about. 
But if you waver, if you got one foot in the world and one foot out the world, you getting exactly what you deserve. That ain't got nothing on you. You you reaping what you sow. A lot of times we think that we have not reaped. I mean, we have not sown all of the evil that we getting back. Right? We just think it's either we call it Satan or other people being mean. We don't deserve that. I'm not that bad to have had this happen to me. But you're reaping exactly what you have sown. That's that's a tough pill for some of us to swallow, right? That's that's tough. Right. He says, I treat each of them according to the way that they live, according to what they do. The person who gets money dishonestly is like a bird that hatches eggs that it didn't lay. In the prime of life, he will lose his riches. In the end, he is nothing but a fool. Satan doesn't have to force you to be deceived. He simply offers what looks good and then calmly sits back. Do y'all realize that in Matthew 4, when Satan was tempting Jesus, he didn't offer nothing bad. He, 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 he didn't beat Satan. He didn't throw rocks at Satan. I mean, at Jesus. He didn't, he didn't burn Jesus' house down. He didn't attack Jesus' family. He didn't attack Jesus' job. He didn't attack Jesus' relationships. He offered him good stuff. You hungry? Yeah, eat some food. Right? You invincible. Can't nothing. You, you blessed the highly favored. Throw yourself down. The angels will catch you. Ain't nothing bad. You Jesus. Ain't nothing bad going to happen to you. Took him to the pinnacle. You want that? Take it. We think Satan, right? We think Satan is when the bad stuff starts happening. No, that's just life. That's what the dream was showing. Satan is when all that good like all that stuff you want, seems like you're getting everything you want. You rolling. God is good. I'm blessed. But what profited you if you get everything you wanted, you go to hell? God said, make no mistake about it. Satan is raging. He's filled with lies and hatreds. But that's not what he shows us most often. Most often, he shows you what you want to see. Satan shows you what you want to see. And he tricks you into calling it God. He tricks you into calling it God. That's why when bad things happen, we never see God. We just see Satan. We only see God when good stuff happens. But as soon as something bad happens, we don't see God no more. God, where are you? God, like I don't change. Y'all stepped away from me. I, I, stay, I stay in the same spot. I've been in the same spot since creation. I've been in the same spot. I don't wait. I don't waver. I don't go back and forth. I don't change up my character. I don't go to sleep. But that's how we treat God. Most often, Satan shows you what you want to see. And I'm not telling you this to make you fearful. I'm telling you this to make you wise. You have to be able to discern what is really good. That's what that dream was showing me. All that stuff looks so good. You couldn't see the evil in it. You couldn't see the evil in it. Say that. Think about it. That's too easy. If this Satan made it look bad, that's too easy for you to know. Uh-uh, that's bad. That's going to hurt me. So Satan ain't going to make it look bad. He's going to make it look good. He's going to make it look good. Satan is not equal to God in power. It's a no contest. In fact, Satan is already defeated. That's why Satan hates God so much. 
Satan is like his main thing, like his go-to thing is he wants to be the opposite of God in character, right? His hatred stems from not being God. That's why Satan longs for us to worship him. He wants us to do and become what Romans 1 talks about, specifically Romans 1 and 25. He wants us to change the truth of God for a lie. He wants us to worship and serve him more than the creator who is blessed forever. That's Satan's whole, that's, that's, that's the main part of his playbook. He wants to exchange the truth of God for a lie. Right? So when Satan gets ready to exchange the truth of God for a lie, he ain't just going to come out and make it obvious that it's a lie. He's going to put a little truth in it. He's going to put just enough truth in it to make it believable. Because he knows if he just comes out and makes it like just off the wall wrong, you're going to be like, no, that's not a God. But he got he to gotta dress it up and play church. He got to dress it up and play church so that you think you in order. When you getting all this stuff and living how you want. Y'all know the only thing that's keeping Satan off for all of us right now is the Holy Ghost. It's restraining all the evil that God, that, that, that Satan wants to do. I don't know, so y'all got to go, go read Revelations and figure out what you believe about the rapture. So I believe God's people going to be gone when the rapture comes. So think about that. If God's people are gone, everybody with the Holy Ghost, then there ain't no Holy Ghost left on the earth. And ain't nobody praying no more. Ain't nobody standing in the gap for you no more. Ain't nobody interceding no more. Ain't no real churches no more. Ain't nobody trying to do good no more. Ain't nobody hitting their knees at night for you no more. It's just people who say they love God, but they not real. Ain't nobody real no more. Nobody trying to feed you. Nobody trying to take care of anybody. Nobody looking out for you. As messed up as some of these churches are, it's probably one or two real folks in every church. But when the swing, when the rapture comes, ain't gonna be nobody real no more. Think about it. That's when you talk about hell breaking loose on earth. Y'all think it's bad now? No, God is restraining stuff. It ain't as bad as it could be. Lord, I thank you. So what about Leviticus ten? Man, I, I wrestled with this, y'all. I wrestled with Leviticus 10. I said, God, you, you talk about hard, like, like, OG. God, something serious. He doesn't play. He's so loving. He's so kind. He, he is truly a lamb. But let me tell y'all, this man is a lion. So what about Leviticus 10? After all the repetition, Leviticus 10 tells the story of Aaron's, this is Moses' brother, Aaron's two oldest sons. After all this repetition, these two boys go in there and say, man, let's let, let do an offering. And they don't follow none of the rules. We're going to do it our way. We're going to worship our way. They go in there and they offer strange fire. They just, they just go right in and they offer strange fire. And as soon as they offer this fire, they are consumed by fire. Soon as soon as they start to do this fake worship, God consumed them with fire. That's Leviticus 10 and 2. And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. 
It might seem like, man, God, you just gave them these instructions because in the pre in the chapters before that, they had just got ordained. Imagine, so the last person to get ordained here was Teacher Tony. Imagine if she got ordained on Sunday, off a strange fire on Monday, and God consumed her. We'd be like, dang, God, you didn't even get a girl a chance to try to be a good minister. She messed up one time, and you took her out? Right? It's like, God, you just gave them the instruction. They messed up one time, and then you consume them with fire? Just like that. But what we don't realize that these boys have been there from the start. Your uncle is Moses. Your daddy is Aaron. Your auntie is Miriam. You had escaped from Egypt. You had seen the Red Sea party. God had led you day and night. Right? God had just anointed you. Gave you all these instructions in these previous chapters. Had just anointed you. Right? Not, and he didn't just choose random people. He said, your family. The, like your family are the only people that can go into the Holy of Holies. He gave them a special designation and they thought so little of God after all them instructions that we just go in here and worship how we want to worship. And that's why God consumed them. Because what they offered was some counterfeit sugar-coated worship. But that ain't even the, that ain't even the tough part of the, sermon, of, of, of the chapter. That ain't, that, ain't, that, ain't the, that ain't the hard thing that God did. That ain't the part that I wrestle with. Leviticus 10.3 says, Then Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord was speaking about when he said, All who serve me must respect my holiness. I will reveal my glory to my people. But Aaron remained silent. Can y'all imagine how Aaron was feeling? I know that man had to be hurt to his heart. God, you chose me. And all me and my, my family to serve, and then you consume my son the day after they get ordained. And then and then you got Moses coming here telling me, see, that's what I told you. That's what I was telling you was gonna happen if y'all mess up. And I know, I know Aaron had to be looking at his brother like you gonna like, like my kids just died. And you talking about this, what the Lord said. But it don't even stop there. It don't stop there. I'm trying to get y'all to understand how serious God is about holiness. And if not for the Holy Ghost, if not for Jesus, some of us will be consumed already. Coming here Sunday after Sunday going right back out and living how you want to live. Thinking that just like that dream, thinking that you could just step into the spiritual world, get prayer, get blessed. Bring it on back here. Turn it in what I want to turn it into and be blessed. I'm going to step into the spiritual world and let pastor pray for me. And I'm going to step back over here, put my own spin on it and be blessed. I'm going to step into the spiritual world and, and cry and shout and do everything and God is good. And I'm going to step back over here, turn it in what I want to turn it into and live how I want to live. If not for Jesus, you would already be consumed. But like I say, this ain't even the hard part. Verses 4 through 6, it says, Moses called. So Moses, after this, Moses goes and, and he goes and get um, he goes and gets Aaron, Aaron's nephews, and he says to them, carry your cousin's bodies away from the sacred tent and put them outside the camp. 
So they came and took hold of the clothing on the corpses and carried them outside the camp, just as Moses had commanded. Then Moses said to Aaron and his sons, do not leave your hair uncombed or tear your clothes to show that you are in mourning. If you do, you will die and the Lord will be angry with the whole community. But all the other Israelites are allowed to mourn the death caused by the fire which the Lord sent. Do not leave the entrance of the tent or you will die because you have been consecrated by the anointing oil of the Lord. So they did as Moses said. God does not even allow this man. He does not even allow Aaron an opportunity to mourn his son. He said, you better not even look like you say And matter of fact, I need you to stay at the temple and continue to serve. You mean you just consume my sons with fire? I can't mourn and I got to come back to this church and serve the people? That's the part that I wrestle with. I'm like, God, you for real. He tells Aaron all of this and then in the verses after that, God goes back into these are my instructions for worship. You do all of that. You don't allow me to mourn and then you just tell me, you reiterate what you said to me before. And this is what some of y'all don't understand about ministry. I know Aaron's I know Aaron was hurt. He had feelings. I know he was hurt that his sons were consumed. But let me tell y'all what. Feelings don't produce holiness. Feelings don't produce holiness. The truth does. I can be hurt all day concerning your situation. But my feelings towards your situations ain't going to make you holy. The truth going to make you holy. I can be really hurt by what you're going through in your relationship. I can can like, sis, brother, I don't want that for you. I can be really hurt. But the only way you coming out of that is I tell you the truth. I'm really hurt, but I also need to tell you that you're out of order. Because if I if, if I get all in my feelings and sad about what you're going through and, and spare the truth, then you gonna still go to hell and I'm going to hell. The blood gonna be on my hands. Because I didn't tell you the truth. That's what y'all don't understand about me. Suddenly I don't want y'all ministers' feelings. You want our feelings. You want us to, you want us to, you when you hurt, you want, be, be kind. Be getting your feelings with me. Get in your feelings with me and love on me and rub me and pray for me and care for me. Get in your feelings with me. Your feelings ain't going to save you. I can sit there and cry with you. We can go out and eat and talk and I can buy you some ice cream and I can, I can send you a, 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 a devotional to read and an encouraging word. Have a blessed day. And encourage you. Get all in, all in my feelings with you. Your feelings ain't going to save you. And that's what God was trying to get Aaron to see. I know you hurt, but your sons was out of order. And your sons, because they were consecrated to do this, not only were they out of order, they putting putting the whole nation in danger of false worship. God said if we abandon the truth, we will die. So after he tells Aaron all this, he goes, he reiterates these instructions. He says, you and your sons are not to enter the tent of my presence after drinking wine a bit. If y'all remember when I did sugar-coated worship, I talked to you about that leaven and that, that sugar, right? 
God goes right back into his instructions. You, your sons are not to enter the tent of my presence after drinking wine and beer. If you do, you will die. This is the law to be kept by all of your descendants. Like the 10th verse is the verse. The 10th verse is the verse. He says, you must distinguish between what belongs to God and what is for general use, between what is ritually clean and what is unclean. That goes back to the dream. You got to be able to distinguish even when it looks good. You got to be able to distinguish what's holy and what's not holy. Because Satan ain't going to make it look bad. That's too easy. Satan going to make it look good. He's going to make that job opportunity look good. That's why when you switch that job and it ain't what you thought, you're like, hold on now. God, I thought you told me. No, your eyes saw what you wanted to see. Because your heart wanted it to. Your heart wanted it to be your way out. Your heart wanted that man to be the one. Your heart wanted that woman to be the one. That's what your heart wanted. That was your desires. That was your lust. You wanted to be the one. So your eyes, so your heart told your eyes that's God. When God ain't saying nothing. You got to be able to tell what is ritually clean, right? What do it mean ritually clean? That means everything in your, in your life is not going to be clean. Like when they brought the animals to the temple, the, the, the animals weren't already clean. God cleaned them up. You got to be able to tell the stuff that God got his hand on, that God is working in, that God is fixing, that God is cleaning up. You got to be able to tell that stuff from the stuff that you got your hand in. That the devil got his hand in. That other people got their hand in. That they trying to make look right. That they done repackaged and called God. You got to know the, the, the difference between God's stuff and the world's stuff. Then he told Aaron, and this is why the sons were consumed. He said, because you are responsible for teaching the people of Israel all the laws which I have given you. If, if, if y'all can't even get it right, how you expecting somebody that's lost to get it right? So then after all this, God instructs Moses, you know, and I'm almost done, JJ. So after all this, Aaron came on. He said, you better not even look like you say. Matter of fact, keep working and let me go over my instructions with you again. And so Aaron and his son done messed up. So God sends Moses back to be the mediator. Y'all got to understand, Moses was doing all of the stuff until Aaron and his sons got ordained, right? But now that they ordained, they done messed up. So God said, Moses, go step in there and fix it. This is what Jesus does for us. God said, I want to use you. I want to ordain you. I want to make you better. I want to send you out. I want to do it. And, and we mess up. We forget the instruction. Then he sends Jesus in and say, Jesus, fix it. And we repent and we turn and Jesus put us back on the right track and then we going. Right? That's what Jesus does for us. He steps in as a mediator. So after Aaron and his sons mess up, then Moses comes back in as a mediator. Right? And then what does Moses do? Moses say, okay, I'm back. Y'all messed up. I'm back. Right? Let me go over the grain offering with you again. Let me go over the fellowship offering with you again. Let me go over the sin offering with you again. Right? So when we mess up, Jesus steps in, and then he calls us back to worship. Okay, let me go over this with you again. Let me call you back to worship. Let me give you the instructions again. 
despite our failure, right? But then the, the, the part that I can identify with the most happens at the end of the chapter, right? So Moses is going over the offer. He's like, okay, do the, do the grain offer. This part is for y'all. Do the fellowship offer. This part is for y'all. But when he gets to the sin offering, they mess up the sin offering. They fail to eat a part of the offering that they were supposed to eat. So Moses is like, man, I'm trying to restore y'all, and y'all still messing up. Y'all still ain't eating the offering right. <laughs> and so Moses is like, Aaron, what's going on? Like, yo, son, like, why y'all, I'm literally going over this stuff with you again, and in the middle of me trying to bring y'all back into worship, you ain't eat the offering right. And Aaron responds in the 19th verse. Aaron says, if I had eaten this sin offering today, what the Lord had approved. The people presented their sin offering to the Lord today and they brought their burnt offering, but still these terrible things have happened to me. When Moses heard this, he was satisfied. The events of the day had shaken Aaron and it caused him to deeply consider his job in light of all of these events. It's going to be stuff that happens to you. It's stuff that happens to me as a pastor that makes me deeply if you've seen your sons consumed by God, it's going gonna, it's gonna to shake you. It's going to shake you. That thing shook Aaron. I bet he was careful. I bet he was careful from then on out. I bet he was very careful. The word says that Moses agreed. So what does that mean? That means when our faith gets shaken, when our faith gets shaken, God understands that. He understands sometimes that, that life is going to shake our, our faith, right? But when your faith gets shaken, that does not give you the, 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 the excuse to keep doing what you want to do. No, instead of just doing what you want to do, you need to step back and seriously consider. Is this, is how, is, is, is this how God would want me to handle this situation going forward? But too many times, our faith gets shaken and then we take it upon ourselves to do what we want to do. But most of the time when something is going wrong in our life, that's because God wants us to step back and seriously consider. God says, open your eyes and deeply consider your worship. I guarantee you, in the, in the, in the hardest times of your life, when you were making some of the, the biggest mistakes you ever made, I bet you weren't worshiping. Were you making them mistakes while you were actively in the presence of God worshiping? Probably more, I'm pretty sure your mind was the furthest place away from God possible. But if you keep your mind on worship, it's going to be hard for you to make that mistake. If your mind is on worship, it's going to be hard for you to make the mistake with that man. Right? It's going to be, it's going to be, if, if your heart is on worship, it's going to be hard for you to steal. It's going to be hard for you to kill. If your mind is on worship, it's going to be hard for you to lose your temper. It's going to be hard for you to just let that tongue fly and the gossip and talk all the time if your mind is on worship. God says, open your eyes and deeply consider your worship. Are you seeing what you want to see? Are you bringing things back and forth between the spiritual world and repackaging it and calling it worship? Are you living in two separate worlds? Because whether y'all know it or not, 
The spiritual realm exists. We go to it all the time. What you mean we go to it all the time? When y'all come to the altar and y'all get that touch, y'all feel God's presence then, don't you? Why you think you don't go there to do evil? Why you think, what you mean? Why you think you're like, think about when you get ready to do evil. Think about how your mind drifts. Think about how sometimes you get so angry it seems like an out-of-body experience. You just lose yourself. All your rationale gone. All your thinking is gone. You become another person. That's a spirit. You done went to another place. We, we, we want to go there like we want to we want to feel the presence of the Lord. We want to go to that spiritual place when it's good, not realizing that we visit that same place when we're doing evil. But then we come back and try to dress it up as something else. So when we go to that other place and we bring it back and we repackage it, y'all know that strange smoke to God. I say that. That works, you know. That don't, that don't smell like the sweet stuff that I'm looking for. That smells. Y'all know? Yeah, they like Y'all know? Somebody open that car door or you like, ooh. Man, that's, that smoke smells different. And it's the same thing with God. We can't offer him anything and think he's not going to notice. That is something different than the real thing. Amen. 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 Y'all come and give the Lord. Amen. I know that was a lot. But like I say. I don't know, I got to do a call pass.